episode 135 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. My name is Gary James Knight. I am the biggest coffee addict that I know, and I just so happen to sell the Icon A5s. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I am your host. Thank you guys so much for listening to the last episode, Microsoft Flight Simulator. It was so much fun to talk to those guys and to share more about kind of the behind the scenes of Microsoft Flight Simulator and maybe a little bit about the future. I'm hoping to get them on again, maybe get a little bit more than, than 30 minutes because I had so many questions. I had user questions I wanted to ask them, but I just didn't have enough time. But that's enough about last week's episode. Today's episode is with Gary James Knight. That's right. He has, seems like three first names there. He's got a pretty sweet name. Gary James Knight flies for Icon Aircraft. He also works as a salesman for them. Uh, The Icon is one of the coolest airplanes that honestly has ever been made. It does some amazing things. We talk about its limitations. We talk about what it was built to be and who is the right person to buy this. We also talk about what it's like to be in a sales position and kind of just how the grind works and how he's always working. It's also very interesting to hear his story, how he was into aviation, got out of aviation, and how he's now back in aviation. Aviation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you do, please leave us a review on iTunes. I want to give a special shout out to the Patreon of the week. That is Christopher Hughes. Special shout out to Chris. Thank you so much. If you want to become a Patreon for as little as $1 a month, you can support the show and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. I also want to go ahead and remind you all of the giveaway that is going on right now with Learn the Finer Points. Just go to learnthefinerpoints.com, swipe up there, get the survey, and you have the chance to win a four flight pro subscription, one ground school subscription, and a four flight ADSB century. It's a crazy giveaway. All you have to do is out a survey. If you haven't done so already, do so. It's. I wish I could enter this. It's so great. But Aviation, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. So without any further ado, here's Gary James Knight. Gary James Knight, what is going on? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it, man. Uh, we did talk about coffee before, so I'm not sure if it got added or not, but <laughs> we'll find out in the final <laughs> cut. Uh, but I'm excited to have you on, man. The plane that you're flying, the lifestyle you're living. We were actually in the same airport, what, like a month ago? We didn't even know it. I yeah. saw an icon in the in the pattern and just like, man, that'd be so cool to go take off and go land on some lakes. And what was it, Flying Cloud? Yeah, I was Flying Cloud in Minnesota and it's going to pain you to hear, but I had an open demo slot that day too. Stop. So I could have been in the, I mean, we were only there for an hour, but that's probably worth the sick call. I mean, I'm just kidding in case anyone from my company is listening. I would never actually do that, but you know, they probably would understand. I could, I could do a demo in an hour. Easy. Easy, right? Go, go, go hop on a couple lakes. (laughs) Yep. All right. Anyways, I want to, that was crazy because, um, you know, I see latitude all the time and I'm sure your DMs are crazy. Every, you know, every every day you wake up and it's how how many people have seen a latitude today and ask me is that you well it's funny because it's not even when they see a latitude it's whenever they see a plane that has the the similar ending on the end of our tail number they think that that is a latitude so i've had multiple people just be like look at all the latitudes on the ramp i'm like oh well that's a phenom that's a global that's a ghost it's like (laughs) there's no latitudes on the ramp i'm not trying to be a jerk but education's taking place (laughs) it's really funny But I do get that quite well, a bit. You're a more patient man than I am. Uh, I it depends on who you talk, I, who you I, ask. I am, 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely okay with letting people live in their ignorance. That's funny. You know, and, uh, I, I have, I have people say, you know, Oh, I saw an icon here and I, I'm pretty well versed on where icons do and don't exist. And, um, you know, so I just, I just say, Oh, that's cool. That's, that's kind of my typical response at this point. <laughs> Sweet, bro. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost. Uh, there's only so much you can say, you know, and I don't want, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy that's just like, well, no, see, I know more than you and blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's just like, cool. Thanks for the interest. I appreciate it. I will say Instagram DMs. I'm not complaining at all. I love getting DMs. It's great, but it is kind of a hard spot to be in when you get some of them and they ask the same questions and it's hard not to kind of come off like that every once in a while, but it's yep. like, you don't mean anything by it. Like it's right. just, sometimes you don't have the time to answer a question. Sometimes you forget, like I feel bad not answering everyone, but I just don't have the time to actually answer everyone or give like a quality answer. Like I should all the time. So if I haven't responded to any DMS, I apologize. I do try. My wife yells at me all the time for not responding. <laughs> so I will try <laughs> I, better. Um, <laughs> So real quick, what is your, what's your top three questions that you get all the time? Um, I love corporate aviation or because of you, I love corporate aviation. How do I get into it? Um, mm -hmm. I want to fly latitude and I want to be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that that last one social etiquette guys is a big no, no. I would be, say be the attraction. <laughs> I would say the, I want to be in your podcast is number one by far actually. And it's, a lot of uh, recommendations of, so the, just for quick, everyone listening, if you want to be in the podcast, I do love people reaching out saying that they should be on the podcast, but I actually have, there's like four people that recommend me most of the people I've ever interviewed. And I've said it before. One of them's Kylie. One of them's Colin with fly all the things, uh, Noah, uh, the CT fly guy. And there's one more. I can't remember right now. It's top of my head, but they're the ones that pretty much like, Hey, you should interview them. I'm like, Oh, cool. They've been like kind of vetted, you know? So it's, a uh, those are the way to get in. So um, ask them <laughs> and they'll get you yeah. one for sure. <laughs> Shout out to Kylie, by the way. She's, yeah. uh, she's, the, only, she's the only name I know on that list. So. Yeah, the others are um, cool too. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take your word for it, but uh, you know, I'm skeptical at the same time. You, you do <laughs> drink uh, an espresso. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's fast. It's easy. It works, you know? No, no. Well, cool, man. Fine. Well, um, uh, talk about you a little bit. What's, uh, why did you ever get into aviation in the first place? What was kind of the original inspiration for you? <sighs> Um, it was, it was inevitable. Uh, you know, I was, I, I remember playing little league and my, uh, coaches were always yelling at me because every time a plane, they would know when to yell at me because when a plane was flying overhead, I Stop. stopped paying attention to the game. <laughs> it was it, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have a prayer. So they put me in the outfield. Unfortunately I could run and that, that kept me busy through high school, but I wasn't good enough to play baseball in college, but I still like sports. So I did crew instead. And, um, but when I was 12, no, I, I had to be nine. Actually, I was nine years old. I was at, you know, I, I convinced my dad to stop in at an airport. It was Fulton County, um, in Georgia. And they had this program over there called aviation career enrichment. Honestly, I don't even know if it's still there, but, um, it was a, it was a program for uh, inner city minority kids um, mostly minority kids and, um, who, who just had an interest in aviation. So I, I started going there for a year. It was like a Saturday program. Um, and that kind of just gave me some sort of exposure to the business and, 
uh, when I was in high school, when I was a junior in high school, you know, everybody said, what are you going to do for college? What are you going to do for college? And I was like, yeah, pilot sounds cool. Um, and you know, of course I heard of Embry-Riddle and, um, I, you know, my, my parents are very, 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 very big on education. So, um, I kind of took that, took advantage of that and said, well, um, you know, I'll, I'll go to school, but, uh, it's going to be very, very expensive. So in a way I called my parents bluff, um, you know, and, and of course, you know, a lot of ignorance. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anybody in the, in the aviation business. Uh, but you know, the long story short of it was, um, you know, ha- happened to have an opportunity to be exposed to the business. And then, um, you can't be exposed to aviation without hearing about Embry-Riddle. And I ended up there. Uh, and then from there, uh, I ended up getting out of aviation. Uh, what, what year did you graduate, Justin? I graduated college in 2012. Okay, cool. So, um, had you heard of Avant Air? Uh, yes. They fly Piaggio's. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, your favorite airplane. Yeah, my favorite airplane, but I'll, I'll give them a pass for this one. But they did, right? Yeah, they did. They okay. had a fleet of about 96 Piaggios. Yeah. And uh, I got hired as a scheduler oh, originally good. for them. And then, um, so that was my first like real aviation job. I had a couple internships before then. But uh, they, they filed bankruptcy about a year and a half after I started there. And I didn't want to leave from the Tampa Bay area. So I ended up getting my real estate license, which um, I think that side note, I think that if, if you're a pilot and you're, you know how to pass a written test, you, you can get your real estate license in a weekend. It is not that difficult to study for. Um, it, is, it is just as difficult as your private pilot written exam. That's it. Um, so, and it's not, and it's a very, very simple way to make some side money too. I digress. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, so I, I got into real estate, uh, just because I, I didn't have any, any job prospects in aviation whatsoever. And, um, then I had built, I, I started building this real estate business. I started doing some digital marketing for some clients and, and digital marketing is an overstatement. It's like I ran Facebook ads that sometimes worked for other people's businesses. Um, but sometimes they worked really, really well. I had a, a client who was making 30 to 40 grand a month off of an ad that I ran for him that was, and his job or his business was he would apply for jobs for people. Um, he would rewrite their resume and he would apply for jobs for them. Um, and when the job market's hot, like it was six months ago, um, you know, people would be able to upgrade and make, you know, 20, 30% more than they are. Um, and, uh, this, this, this is real messed up, but that client ends up going to jail. Um, and I kind of start taking over his business. Um, but you know, I I changed, obviously, you know, started my own LLC, did name change, all that. And, um, I had, uh, worked with two of his former employees and another guy that I brought in. And as I, as we were, I I had, I was doing that and I was doing real estate at the same time. And I would go to a home inspection for a client of mine. And the home inspector was also a pilot. 
So we start talking about airplanes, geeking out and all that. And um, he says, you know, Icon's hiring. I was like, yeah, they're, they're based in California. We're in Florida. He's like, no, they're hiring here. I was like, in Tampa? He goes, yeah. I go, what are they looking for? He's like, they're looking for flight instructors. I said, well, I'm not a flight instructor. I'm not really interested in flight instruction, but that's cool. And um, I went on the website because I was kind of doing that for that business I was working. Um, and I saw that they were they had a sales position open and I opened it up and I said, well, I do that. I do that. I do that. I went ahead and I uh, edited my resume, which I hadn't touched in seven years or so. But good thing um, you know how to edit a resume, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, well, one of the people that we had on the team was really good at that. So I kind of just sent it to her and I said, you know, any tips? She goes, looks good to me. I said, great. And I sent it. I actually documented the whole process of editing my resume and applying for the job. And then like right after I had interviews, I would, I would, uh, you know, kind of do just a quick Facebook live on that. And, um, so most of it was kind of an exercise because I, I, you know, this, the sales experience I already had kind of taught me how to navigate interviews very well. And I didn't really realize it until I started doing this business. And, um, I get through this interview and I met, initially I was like, there's no way I'm going to take this job because I'm, I'm, you know, the upside and what I'm working in is, is crazy. Um, but I also, I was starting to realize about myself, you know, it's, it, you get, it, it's really easy to get cocky when you get a, a little bit of a result in business. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was starting to realize, okay, maybe I don't know everything. And I interviewed with, um, this guy named Warren, um, who also went to Ohio state, by the way, Go Bucks. um, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so, um, but he, uh, He's a he was a very natural leader, something I, I hadn't seen probably ever. Someone who's just naturally talented as a leader. So I, uh, I was very I was very very impressed in the interview with just the, the natural skill set that I I kind of saw out of him, and that was really what sold me on wanting to work there. And then uh, I interviewed with the VP of Sales, and they gave me a job offer and. I asked my wife what she thought about it. She said, you know, do what you want. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I sat, thought about it for like a day. I said, if I don't do this, I will probably regret it. And so I took the job. When did you take the job? How long ago? That was August of, oh my gosh, it was probably two months to the, it'll be two months next week. Or two years, sorry. Two years. Oh my God. Two years next week, yeah. I was going to say, I was just thinking like, because Icon, like from what they've been coming out with this thing, like that was like probably one of the most exciting new aircraft that has been made in the last, I mean, 10 years, you know? Like they probably had so much hype. So the opportunity to fly that kind of airplane is is kind of once in a lifetime. I feel like once you get that sales job, it's probably hard to find a job that you would consider better than that in the same realm of possibilities. Like maybe you might leave one day for an airline. I don't know. We can get that later. But like when you look at it, like that job seems so cool. Like what you're flying, where you fly, the type of flying you do and uh, the people you get to interact with. Cause I'm guessing the people that want an A5 are probably pretty cool people. Not to say that people that want like 
Cessna 172s aren't cool people, but like, I feel like the type of people it attracts might be a, a different type of person. If that makes sense. That is 100% true. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you phrased it in the way that you did. Um, because that's, that's one thing I, I like to, to balance out with people is to make sure that they know, you know as fun as it looks like, yes. And I talk about this fairly often. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. Um, but I, I talk about this fairly often. What I do is work. There is no mistake about it. Um, it, it is, it is grind. It is, you know, the, the best metaphor I can come up with is most of the time I'm bleeding through my eyeballs <laughs> most of the time that I'm working. Um, because it is nonstop. You know, I, I work seven days a week. There are no weekends. I, you know, there it's, it's nine to nine. Um, so, so, and, and, and I love it. Um, I hope so. It makes it easy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like it, it is, it is very easy to get caught up in the, the glitz and glamour of it because, you know, we do get invited to parties. We get invited to, um, you know, people always want us to bring the plane somewhere. They want us to, to show up and, and do demos here and there. And, and, uh, at the end of the day, you know, my job is to sell it. It's not to look cool. And, and that's, it's hard because it's a, I mean, we, we MSRP for 359,000 and that's a lot of money for something that has no like utilitarian purpose. You know, it's not IFR. It's not, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't have autopilot, you know, it's not a cross country machine. Um, but what it is, is it's probably the most fun you've ever had with your pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I like it. That's good. <laughs> so how do you, I mean, I'm guessing you make cold calls and you're like, Hey man, you're like, I'm, you, you fit our criteria. You're probably interested in coming on to the, the A5. We'd love to do a demo. What's like your sales pitch? How do you get someone out of the idea of like, this isn't a cross country machine. That's not IFR. It's like, you want to go to the lake. You want to go fishing for an hour or a half, an hour and a half. And then you want to fly back. How do like, what do you, what's kind of in your toolbox to, to make this sale? So, um, we have, we, we have a fair amount of inbound leads. Um, we, we don't do too much outbound prospecting, um, because, uh, it just, just sales as a principle, a buyer needs to be willing, ready, and able. So, uh, willing, meaning that this fits their type of behavior. Um, I, you know, able meaning, oh, I should have started with able, able meaning they actually have the finances to do something like this. Um, willing meaning, um, that they, it, it fits within their purchase behavior. So, um, they have, they, they kind of fit the lifestyle, you know, someone who you know, I've, and I've met people with nine figure, eight, nine figure net worths that live in $200,000 homes. Um, the, the idea and, and our pilots, um, and you know, the idea that you're going to convince somebody to spend more on an airplane than they spent on their house is, it's not going to happen. So I, I look for that purchase behavior indication. Do they have a third home that, you know, uh, do they, do they buy six figure depreciating assets? Cause that's what it is. You know, it, it's a, it, it, costs almost $400,000 and you're not, you know, it's not going to make you money necessarily, um, on, it, it, uh, on its own. It's not going to make you money. So, 
Um, do you, I, I'm not necessarily looking for like Ferraris or Lamborghinis, but specifically, you know, if we're talking cars, I'm a huge car guy, but, uh, specifically if you're a Porsche person, if you like Porsches, if you like McLarens, um, and the reason why is because those manufacturers build something that's built for the experience. Um, and you have that second or third vacation home, um, and you're a pilot, man, I am, that's, that's the client. That's the person that you're going to go to. So to answer your question, you know, how do, how do you actually sell this thing? I look for that purchase behavior and I look for, and, and at that point it's, I'm just gonna, um, I'm, I'm going to be your buddy, you know, and it, and it's not necessarily just cause I want something out of you. I actually find people fascinating. I find human behavior fascinating. Um, you know, and not, and, and sometimes people love the product, but they don't like me. Um, they're weird. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, so you just, uh, you don't, nobody, you don't mesh with everybody and you can't, you can't take, you can't take that personally. Um, so, you know, if, if they like the, if they, if they have that purchase behavior, if they like you and if they like the product, um, they'll do it. So you're really kind of looking for that triple Venn diagram, um, of purchase behavior, financial qualification, and you, you also want happy owners. You don't want somebody that's going to buy the plane and not use it. So you want to make sure that they have the use case because it takes, you know, when you, when you sell, when you sell a plane, you, I, or when I sell a plane, I'm not trying to sell one, I'm trying to sell five. And if I sell to an, uh, because it takes a lot of energy to, to actually pull somebody across the line. Um, and if you give them a good experience, they're going to know somebody that trusts them. That's going to buy, you know, over the next five years, you might get three or four referrals from that one person. And if you put all this energy into one sale and it's, and they never use it and it stays one sale, um, you, you know, you're starting from scratch every single time. Right. I feel like the A5 kind of, or icons in general, they kind of fall into the line of it's, they kind of sell themselves. Like people that want something like that know they want something like that just by looking at it. Like, because like you said, it fits a very certain lifestyle, fits a very certain uh, type of uh, expenditures and and how they live their life and they want to have fun. They're not really looking for like utility or like something that's going to serve a purpose in their life. It's just kind of like a way to have fun and enjoy. But I definitely would imagine the A5 can, uh, can sell itself pretty well for, for most of your clients. It, it can. Um, the interest is, is always there. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm qualifying someone's interest, you know, and I, I'm actually not afraid to tell somebody this might not be for you. Um, and that's not like a, a challenge or anything It's you know, it's a genuine concern. If somebody says, if somebody starts asking me, well, what's the, uh, what's the range on this? What's the useful load? What's the, what's the, uh, is it IFR rated? I'm happy to tell them, Hey man, all, all those questions are valid. Um, but if that's what's important to you in the purchase of an airplane specifically, maybe you should look at a Bonanza or maybe you should look at a Cirrus, um, because those are built to answer those questions. And the A5 is built for enjoyment. It's built for recreation. Yeah. And, Useful load. What do you mean? How many fish you can go catch and looking, put in? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the only question that you, um, you should ask is, can I legitimately have fun? Can I have as much fun in this thing as I think I can? Um, 
And, and that's, you know, if, if you can say yes to that, then don't make it, you know, and, and you can afford it. You're not going to go, you know, you're not going to kill yourself financially doing it. Um, then do it because life is short and you're probably going to regret passing up on something that you knew you would have enjoyed. Yeah. I want to take it back a little bit farther back to focus a little bit more on your story and get back in the icon a little bit later. Um, Mm -hmm. You went to Embry-Riddle. Did you go there to be a pilot? Did you get all your ratings there? Did you get a management degree? Uh, What was kind of, what what happened at Embry-Riddle? Yeah. So uh, I hated my life there. (laughs) (laughs) Aviation sucks. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I I went to Embry-Riddle. I I start, I already had my private pilot license when I started there. Okay. And um, I started the instrument training and um, I was at a, I did not realize how much of a disadvantage I was because I had no aviation background whatsoever. I didn't know anybody in aviation. I was just kind of going through my aviation career or my aviation experience was just kind of sitting around and absorbing. And when I say I was, I, I I mean, I had no idea what I was doing when I started my instrument rating. I didn't even know what the purpose of it was. You know, they just said, Oh, you're going to start instrument. I said, okay. You know, (laughs) another box to check. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. You know, I I didn't, I didn't know what was next. I didn't, you know, I got my private pilot license and I literally did not know, um, that you, you like, there were more, there was more. And, And it's not that I assumed that it was the end. I didn't assume that it was the end, but I didn't know what the rest was. And I, I didn't, I knew so little, I didn't even know how to ask the, the questions that I needed to know the answers to. So I started my instrument rating there and I was in way over my head and I got extremely frustrated and, um, and I stopped flying for a bit. And, uh, that summer I changed my major from aeronautical science to aviation or, or to business administration. And I kept doing my flight training off campus um, because, you know, it's, uh, I wasn't, I, I was, I was, I was frustrated on a personal level. And then I saw my instructors who, uh, you know, can I cuss on here? Yeah, go for it. Just a little bit. All right, cool. <laughs> I saw my instructors who busted their ass to get to the airlines making like 14, $17,000 a year. And I, you know, I did the math on what my degree was going to cost, what the, what the flight training was going to be. And, you know, my, my, my parents stretched to put me through school, um, a lot. And there was just no way that I was going to get all the way through commercial multi CFI, you know, under Embry-Riddle's program. And then at the time, you know, live to be able to feed myself. Um, and then combat compound that with the frustration I was dealing with going through flight training. Um, because I did not, I didn't even know what I didn't know. Um, and, and it was just kind of the, the, the I, I was pretty close to quitting. And, um, then, uh, I just, that summer I started my instrument training at, a, a at another school and I did it. And that was as, uh, and then I started my commercial and I, I didn't finish it. Um, then I did finish it later, but, um, I, I had, I had definitely fallen out of the idea of wanting to go to the airlines. Um, part of it was, part of it was money, but part of it was also just, um, I, I think part of it was, I lost, I had lost confidence in my own skill set. 
Um, and I didn't, I, I just wasn't sold on the idea that it was for me anymore. Yeah. It's really tough when you go through your training because like, obviously people have the same goal. And when you're at Embry-Riddle and you're surrounded by all these people who seem like they're go-getters, like all they want to do in life is be an airline pilot. And you see like their love for it and how well they're yeah. doing. But here, I was in the same boat as you. Like I had many my days. My dad's an airline pilot. My grandfather was an airline yeah. pilot. Yeah. Well, I mean, His grandfather was an airline <laughs> pilot. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much my family. My dad's an airline pilot. My grandpa was an airline pilot. But I still, <laughs> like I didn't want to be an airline pilot. Like that's why I am where I am. I never really wanted to. And going through school and training, like I would always question myself. Like not if I was good enough, but like. Do I really want to do this? Like, not necessarily like a, a laziness factor to it a little bit, but also like, I mean, like, like you said, like they don't get paid very much when I was coming up. Like it was like $20,000 first year. And I was like, I mean, is this the lifestyle I really want? I'd be gone for my wife. But it's very tough, especially when you're in a situation. When I did my 141 at Ohio State, like you, you always feel like you're never going to be like, you, you never really can see that dream becoming a reality because there's so many other people that you think are doing better than you or faster than you no more than you. And I feel like that could have been a very similar experience at a place like Embry-Riddle where you have all these kids who this is, they've played flight simulator since they were three years old. They were like, they know how to start a 747 before you even could figure out how to solo. You know, it's like, it's well, got to be kind of intimidating. They say these things out loud like it's normal. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're not wrong. I think, uh, <laughs> I know, I know. I just made a lot of people upset. I know. <laughs> no, um, it, uh, I think that in aviation, my, I, it's not that I, I, I have a problem. I think that we, there's more than one right path for a career. And the air, you know, you don't, you know, you don't get into sales because you didn't get to the airlines. You know, one of the most frustrating DMs that I get is when somebody says, oh, I'm thinking about going into aircraft sales. It might be a great way to build hours. And I tell them, don't do it every, every single time because, you know, you're, you're not being paid to fly. I don't get paid to fly. I get paid to sell airplanes. If I'm, you know, I can fly all day. And if I don't sell airplanes, I don't have a job. You know, as opposed to if I sell airplanes and I don't fly, you know, they're going to love me. You know, that's a, that, that's the dream. You know, that's, that's the management dream. Yeah. They'd probably rather um, you sell a plane without ever flying it because <laughs> exactly. it's like, oh, cool, maintenance, fuel, like we're Same good, maintenance. Right? Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, they, they would prefer that. And, and at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's why actually a lot of manufacturers, they do separate it. it, it icon's kind of rare in the fact that the sales directors do fly. Um, and it's kind of necessary because they, the, the, uh, our, our VP of marketing says you have to get the person to hold the puppy. Um, you know, and you know, it's not like when you're selling a, a Gulf stream, the person that's sitting in the back, you know, the Gulf streams built for the people in the back, you know, um, and, or, or in your case, the, the global, sorry, I have to play favorites for you. Right. <laughs> it's all good. You can say whatever you want. I'd fly uh, both. Gulf, Gulf, <laughs> There you go. So the, the Gulf Stream's not built for the pilots. It's built for the person that's in the back. Right. Um, and and uh, so the sales director for Gulf Stream, uh, they, don't, they don't build a relationship with the person who they're selling it to by flying them uh, personally. Um, they build a relationship by sharing the experience. It just so happens that with the A5, the, it, the only experience is actually flying it. Um, so it works. Uh, it it's more imperative for us because we don't have that utility case. Our utility case is just fun. Go out and enjoy yourself. Um, 
so the, the it is it is important for the sales director to be hands on in the product demo um, flying as opposed to most other manufacturers where people will use the airplane as the excuse um, or they'll use their business or their <clears throat> the infrastructure of their life as the excuse to pull the trigger on a purchase. It's easier to to use a, a Cirrus or a Bonanza as an excuse or use your business as an excuse to purchase a Cirrus or Bonanza than it is to to do that for the A5. So right. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. That does. That definitely does make sense. When you were making that decision, kind of going back to school, I just had a couple more questions. When you're making that decision to kind of uh, maybe not fly and switch your major, did you kind of feel not necessarily like a failure, but maybe like, did, was that a really hard decision for you to make? Because you probably went there like wanting to be an airline pilot. Like you, you really wanted to, to kind of achieve this dream. And then as you go and you kind of pivot and go a different direction, was that hard for you? Um, yes, I think I, you know, I remember a few, uh, a few days where I, and it was maybe three, three days, four days that I, I would wake up not knowing what I was doing. And I didn't necessarily figure it out, but it was just, I, I became very okay with, um, not having my life figured out. And that allowed me to get involved with other, you know, other things like I, I have a, a very, I'm very passionate about business in general and not as a, not as a, like, um, trying to make money. Of course, that's, that's how you measure a business. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with how businesses grow, how they, you know, phys- you know, how they develop and sell products and, um, that helped me a lot in real estate, but with, uh, when I was still in school, that was kind of how those things, um, that not having the airlines as the be all end all anymore allowed me to start opening the doors in other directions and realizing, Oh, there's something behind here. Oh, you know, there's, there's, uh, I was actually, when I, when I graduated, I had a whole business plan written up on starting a banner towing company. And I learned way more about banner towing than I ever wanted to learn. But, um, it's, you know, the, the, the actual, uh, exercise of figuring out how much money is in a business or what, what a potential, a certain type of business has and, and how to sell the product or service like that's, that's kind of where that started. So if, you know, if I had stuck with the, the idea of going to the airlines, um, I wouldn't have found that out about myself. It's really kind of cool that you said that you became okay with not knowing kind of where your life was going or what you wanted to do, because I feel like that's the biggest stressor in a lot of people's life. Uh, they're not happy with not knowing what's going to happen. They're not in control of their career. They're not in control of their destiny. I mean, that can be kind of going on right now with with possible pilot furloughs and people can be really freaking out and rightfully so because like they, their whole identity is being an airline pilot, is being just a pilot in general. How did you become okay with not kind of knowing where your life was going or knowing uh, what was next per se, because, you know, airline wasn't where you're going to go. And how did you get out of the the kind of the funk that'd be like, well, that's what I always wanted to do. And now I need to find something else. Was there anything specifically you did? Did you read a book? Did you uh, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos, or was it just kind of natural for you to jump out of that mindset and just be like, all right, well, what's next? So what are we going to do? Yeah, I, I think, well, I have, I, you know, super grateful. I had a phenomenal social network. Um, I've, I've got 
you know, four or five very, 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 very good friends that we've been, we've, we've been a, a, like a core group for 12 years. And we had, we had just, we'd been hanging out for two, three years at that point. So I had, I had people that I could kind of vent to, um, that would also, you know, um, call me on my shit. Like they, they would just say, you know, you're, you're freaking out over no, no reason. Like you're, you're 19 years old. You're not supposed to have your life all figured out. Um, and you know, the, it was, it was really, I, so I got lucky in that way and I, I get it. I, I, I'm definitely empathetic that not everybody has that in, in, in their life. And, um, but it, it, they, none of those people went to school with me and we were still that close. Um, so that was, uh, that was huge that I had people that I could say, um, you know, I'm, I'm not okay. Yeah. That is huge. Being able to trust someone and open up and be like, Hey man, like this is, this is what I wanted to do, but it's not working out. I need someone to talk to. So talking it out can definitely help for sure. Yeah, it was, you know, it, it, it does come down to people like you, you, you need to help people and you need, and people need to help you. And, yeah. and it is, it is tough to find people that are in your life because they're interested in you, not interested in your, in your podcast or yeah. your airplane. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? I mean, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> when you graduated college, were you fully okay with never getting a job in aviation? Like was aviation hundred percent out of your mind and you just wanted to kind of do your own thing and business wise, or are you hoping to find a way to get back into aviation? Uh, at first I wanted to have a business in aviation and then obviously there was no, actually, you know what? I did have a shot. I actually had an idea. Um, and I, I had messaged Lancer about it um, because they had um, an engineering branch of their business. And I was just looking for someone to ask questions. And um, this guy, uh, one of the guys at the, at the company got me a pitch with the CFO. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask for it. Um, so that was, that was pretty, that was pretty good for the ego. It was a nice little ego boost when, when I was unemployed. And so, you know, I was just trying to, I was, I was filling out job applications for businesses in aviation that were close to me, you know, and that's how I ended up getting into Avant Air. Um, and, uh, but at the same time I was working on my own businesses, business ideas. And so those have always been in parallel. Um, and I, I still do the same thing today. You know, I still have a, um, a real estate business that just, it, it, it effectively runs on a referral basis. So whenever I generate business, I can, um, I can connect that business with another real estate agent who I trust. And then, uh, when, when that person closes, uh, we share the commission. Um, and so, you know, and then, uh, a couple other things that I, I don't want to say out loud, but you know, there's, there's always, <laughs> there's always, there's always something um, uh, and I, I do that because I like it. You know, I, I, you know, I did it when I was making no money. Why wouldn't I do it if it's producing some money for me? Absolutely. Why not? And keep some mysterious to you, right? Someone's, someone looks yeah. at you and they're like, well, what is he actually doing? <laughs> <laughs> so this, Nothing uh, actually, it's yeah. all smoke and mirrors. That's funny. I play call of duty and I make money online. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so let me, let me tell you about my mentor. He's great. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I, 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 I have a, uh, on my Instagram, I have a, uh, 
story highlights of every time someone tries to pitch me into an MLM. Oh, I've actually read those. That's really funny. Oh yeah, those are my favorite. If, yeah, if anyone those. listening has some downtime, go ahead and uh, go ahead and listen to those for a little bit, <laughs> or go read those. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, going yeah. into the A five, did you know much about the icon before you were getting hired? Um, probably knew the same amount that you do. Uh, you know, I, I'd seen the what I one of the I I been following the a5 almost from the beginning like most of us you know you know it it was so it it got so much attention when it started um for a number of reasons that when um you know you know when my when I, i was at that home inspection that home inspector goes you know icon's hiring i go you know like i knew who icon was i knew what they built um i knew the product and um that was, but that was, that was kind of the extent of it. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't really, I hadn't really like peeled back the layers of the onion on the company. What did you learn more once you started peeling back the layers? Cause obviously like it's a cool product. Uh, anyone could, would want to fly this plane. I mean, what did you learn uh, that sold you more in the company than just how cool the airplane was to start out with? It was 100% the people, the people sold me on the company. Um, the, uh, the <clears throat> pardon me it's not rona i promise <laughs> um you're just getting choked up at how uh, how the people make you feel right you're you're gonna yeah cry. so i i it, it is very difficult for me to um walk into a room and not focus on myself i've you know i have no problem talking about myself clearly i'm in sales um but it when i when i went to icon and I started noticing that um, the people here don't think in like the same way that most people in aviation do. Like, there's always that. Like we were talking about before, there's that one track in aviation, and if you deviate, like you know, something's wrong with you. Um, and so, you know, I, I felt like, you know, oh, we're we're actually a, a big band of misfits out here, um, and that that was very attractive to me. Um, and part of it is because, like, I know I am, you know, I feel like I'm actually like a nerd hiding in plain sight with with these with with these people. Um, you know, I, I I do like warbirds. I do like, you know, I you know I I, I know wait I know uh, an airplane. You know what kind of airplane one is when I see it way too soon. Um, you know, absolutely useless knowledge. Um, but I'm also very aware that, you know, it's okay to not know the difference between a Falcon and a Challenger. Yes, it is. A hundred percent. I'm terrible at aircraft recognition, so it is a hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I tell you what, sometimes I, I was flying in, in Dallas a couple months ago and this controller, he says, you know, follow the P40 that's on downwind. I'm like, you know how many people I know that fly don't know what a P40 is? <laughs> P40, it's like, uh, yeah, okay. Exactly. Fast, slow, like, what we got to do here? Just tell me to slow exactly. down or speed up, buddy. Exactly. So, exactly. That's all I need to know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but the, the practical side of that is um, it, it's okay to not care about some things in aviation. Like, you know, and, and you, what I noticed was that the people at Icon were very okay about not caring about 
um, public perception. You kind of have to be uh, because you you develop a thick skin very very quickly in the business yeah. or in, in at this company. What's the thick skin for? Why 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 the thick skin? Well, um, I'll 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 give you a story that's anic- that's anecdotal. Um, the the very first event I ever went to with Icon was in Deland. It was a U.S. Uh, light sport aircraft expo. <clears throat> so we're there, uh, and you know all the major manufacturers of light sport aircraft are there. And my very first day there, uh, I was pulling boxes out of my car, bringing them over to the tent, and setting up the table. You know, look, you know, this is my first event. I, my goal is to just look like I know what I'm doing. Right. And, uh, plane gets there, clean it off. Um, and they start letting people in. And this, this guy who had to be late sixties, early seventies, he makes a beeline right towards us. Like very clearly he's coming to see the A5 and I'm thinking, cool, someone that's excited, ready to talk. That's awesome. And the first thing out of his mouth is, hey, this is that plane that baseball player killed himself in, is or that killed the, killed that baseball player. Like that was the very first thing out of his mouth. So uh aggressive, um and 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 definitely not pleasant. My like clear clearly not interested in in being friendly. Um and and you get that a lot. You you get that uh, that type of aggression, and and so you have to learn to deal with that with with grace, I guess. Um, but uh, it it when you when you when you constantly uh, hear you know hear things like that, um, and temper that with you you actually know the full story. Um, it's. Uh, it is a bit dis. It's a bit disheartening because you don't feel like um, there's times where you don't feel like you're welcome, or you don't feel like people want you there. Um, and that's fine. You don't take that personally, but you also don't look to put yourself in those situations either. How do you diffuse a situation like that? Because obviously someone has a lot of emotion up in there. Like maybe at one point they liked the icon. Uh, their favorite baseball player could have been flying that plane at that time, or they could have some kind of other uh, kind of relationship to that accident. How do you diffuse that? Because you don't want to make the customer or that person look stupid. You want to like be understanding of his feelings and kind of just like diffuse that situation and hope it can die down. Like what what are the steps? Do they teach you steps of what to do? Like kind of like what's the... What's the goal there? Yeah, we have a whole training on yo mama jokes. No, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but, no, but uh, in, in all in all seriousness, uh, a lot of it, um, a lot of people, and this is this is just yeah, I hate to get into like the greater truth of it, but a lot of people come come into situations guns blazing because they're de- they're hurting or they're dealing with something on a personal level that has nothing to do with you, um, and and so you know that's that's what you try to remember first. I, I'll be honest. I don't remember that first all the time. What, uh, you know, the, so the, the practical steps that I tend to walk people through, um, it, it, uh, one of the things that genuinely surprises me, um, is that people don't actually read NTSB reports. That takes too much um, time. Why would you read it? Right? 
<laughs> exactly. Why would you read it? You know, because it, and you you should because if you don't if you don't, then why are you pretending like you know what you talk what you're talking about? So that's usually my first question: uh, whether or not somebody has actually read the NT, NTSB report. Um, and of course, you know, I, I, I pose it in a, a, as polite a way as possible. You know, so somebody says, you know, this is the plane that killed that baseball player. I said, oh, did you did you happen to read the NTSB report? It was, it, you know, it was published X. You know, a co- you know, there's there's always a revision or something coming out on it. Um, and I've I've yet to have somebody actually say yes. Um, and when and so when they do say no, I say, well. You know, like any airplane, I don't, I don't care what you're buying. I don't care what airplane you're buying. Um, and I did this before, you know, when I first started looking, cause I've always wanted to own an airplane. That was, you know, kind of getting back to what we were talking about before when they said, what, you know, was I down after I realized that, um, I wasn't going to go to the airlines and, you know, it really came down to the fact that I got my pilot's license because one day I knew I wanted to own my own airplane. Um, I just, I never put it in those exact words until I realized I wasn't going to go to the airlines anymore. Um, and you know, there, so before I started working for icon, I was, I was always on trade a plane or controller, you know, looking at what was for sale. And, um, you know, when I started making some money, I started looking at, you know, well, how much does it actually cost to own an airplane? Um, because maintenance ain't free insurance ain't free, you know, but I don't know what those, those numbers are. And then it also comes down to, well, you know, you hear about accidents, but you know, if, if you're really asking yourself, well, part of your research should also be, well, is the plane safe? Because you know, doesn't matter how much money you have, you know, if, if, if you're not alive to fly the plane, if you're not alive to, to use it, you know, it doesn't matter. So, um, and, and I also got into that because a lot of the airplanes that I was I, I was very interested in are only offered as experimental kits. So, experimental has its own reputation, um, and so I, you know, I, it, it's tough to answer the question: Is it safe? Without actually looking at the NTSB reports, and you should do that regardless of what manufacturer you are looking at. Um, you know, now some you know some airplanes like. You know, you, you look at uh, it, look at a 172, right? You know, uh, we all know that's a it's it's the most successful uh, airframe platform that's ever been developed, pretty much. You know, and um, you know, so we, we all know that it's safe. So you're not going to sit there and look at the NTSB reports to find out is the plane safe, but you should look at the NTSB reports to find out how do people kill themselves in this airplane, so that you can be aware so that you can prevent a situation like that from happening to you. Um, and so when people, you know, if I, if I go to a show and somebody says, you know, somebody's aggressive with me, I, I try to bring them to that mindset of, Hey, you know, if, if you're thinking about getting into air, any airplane, you should always look at the NTSB reports. And if you, if you look at the NTSB reports, for our aircraft, um, it, it is it, obviously there's only so much I can talk about because I work for Icon. But you know that's you know, the NTSB report is very public information, and I always encourage people to actually go and look at it and read it 
Um, because it, if you do, you, you will find that there was no failure on the aircraft. Um, and you should learn something as a pilot as well. It, it is, yeah, you're right. I remember when, I think it was two, a year ago, maybe two years ago, there was two fatal crashes, like kind of relatively close to each other. And it doesn't matter, like a company that's so young as Icon, it doesn't matter how great your airplane is, how successful your sales are. That is going to, no matter who it is, you can have the safest airplane in the world, but as soon as you have two fatal accidents back to back, I mean, it, that could really kill any kind of company. And it's almost a testament to the company that they were able to overcome that and are still able to overcome that because public perception could kill that company so quick. If their owners don't feel safe, if your potential customers don't feel safe, they're going to go buy a 172 that's been flying for, for 50 years. You know, like they're not going to go up and chance it or try it. But obviously you have, you and I kind of done a good job of uh, kind of transforming that public perception and keeping that, that want alive. Do you, were you there when those accidents were happening? And do you know kind of what, like what was going on behind the scenes? Like, uh, how do we fix this? How do we make sure we can prove to people that this is a safe airplane? No, um, th those accidents happened before I started working for Icon. Um, and I, you know, did the same thing that I just told you, you know, I, I, I looked at the reports myself, you know, why in the, and I tell people that, you know, if somebody's a, if I, I have a feeling that somebody's a legitimate prospect and they bring that up because not everybody is aggressive when they bring that up. Some people are actually super sensitive about it. Um, but they just want answers. And my answer when somebody says, Hey, you know, I know, you know, same, same way that you just asked me, if they, if they asked me that way. And I know that they could be potentially evaluating a, a person my answer is actually really easy. I say, Justin, are you really going to trust the sales guy when I tell you what happened in the accident? No. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so, <laughs> of course you're not. I wouldn't, you know, why, you know, because I'm obviously going to tell you the answer that I want you to hear. But, you know, the reality is you're going to, you, you should absolutely go and look at the NTSB reports and actually read them. It will make you, that alone will make you a better pilot, but you also find out there was no fault. There was no failure with the aircraft itself. What was, um, how is Akon handling us still to the day? Like, um, are you trained specifically on what to say in those situations or do they kind of just trust everyone to, I guess from what I was talking to you, it sounds like people buy into the culture of Icon. Like there's a set culture that's at Icon and people really believe in the company. Do they trust you just to kind of say whatever you think is best or do they have specific training for you to, to kind of uh, circumnavigate those questions? Yeah, they, um, I mean, you, you'll go over it with somebody point and then you're kind of like handed off to the wolves at that point and it, it, it is kind of sink or swim um no uh, of course it's it's you don't deal with it every well i mean you kind of do deal with it every day so you become you you get used to to the answer um and everybody kind of has their own way of dealing or of dealing with it you know i like i said i i saw my supervisor deal with it and then i was like okay that's how i'm going to do it now um and, and then from there, you kind of develop your own um, perspective on it. But, you know, and, and every department's different. You know, flight ops answers that differently than sales, differently than maintenance, differently than marketing. Um, and it's not because the answer is necessarily different. It's because, you know, we all have a different, it all affects us differently. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's actually pretty easy for me because I could say, you know, I, I, I'm in sales, man. Like, you're not going to trust anything I tell you anyway, but you should read the accident reports. It's going to make you a better pilot. 
you think, like, this is not talking about any of the crashes at all. This is talking about just people that fly the airplane. Do you think people sometimes forget, like, what the purpose of this aircraft is? And they could, like, they see how much it can do. They see, like, how much fun you can have. And they kind of forget, like, every aircraft has limitations. Like, you cannot do certain things with this plane. But, like, just because this plane can do so much, they kind of forget about those limitations. Do you see that when you go fly with people? Do you hear that on the road with other Icon owners? Like, what what do you, do you think that's an issue? No, actually, I, I think that's that, that's very, very far from an issue. Um, it's definitely a perception. It is, it is absolutely a public perception that, and every manufacturer has, I mean, look at what uh, Beechcraft went through with the Bonanza when they were still making the V-tail. Oh man, that was, that was a rough, rough time perception wise for Beechcraft. Um, you know, when, when the name and people started calling Bonanza's doctor killers. Um, and, um, and, and we see there, there's, there's, there's other, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to name people by name because I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be professional, but that, that, uh, that perception will always move from one manufacturer to another. Um, aviation is, is interesting just because there, that group think kind of does exist of like, there's this one track, there's this one way of thinking. And if you deviate, um, like, you know, there's, you're going to be the black sheep in the, in the business. And, um, I think part of me on a, I can't speak for the company, but I can, on a personal level, I enjoy, I'm the, I'm a little brother. I'm, I'm the youngest. So like, I, I almost like enjoy getting into, you know, a gunfight. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody comes at me, somebody comes at me, guns blazing, bro, I'm ready. <laughs> you know? Let's go. Um, and, and I, yeah, exactly. Like I enjoy, I enjoy the debate. I enjoy the con- and I, I generally do enjoy the conversation. I, I also, part of me enjoys bringing people around to a perspective that they may not have thought of. Like when you tell somebody that is, when, especially when you see that light bulb go off, when people are asking, you know, how far can it go? How much can I carry this, that, and the other? And I say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You like, let's actually just have fun. Like when, uh, the first time I, I, I it was one of the very first demos that I ever did. This guy comes and he's got his iPad. He's on one knee. He's got his, his notepad on the other knee. And we, we, uh, we get in the plane and I say, okay, first thing you're going to do, you take that off and you're putting the bag in the back. And we're actually going to go out and we're going to have fun. Like we're, we're not here to take notes, like take your mental notes, you know, fly, but we're going to get, we're going to listen to the ATIS and that's it. Like, and then we're going to go out and we're going to have fun. Um, like you, you don't need the, all that extra stuff, but when you, when you, when you get someone over to that perspective and you see the light bulb go off and they go, I get it. I live for that. I really, really live for that. And that's, you know, when I, when somebody comes at me guns blazing, like, you know, this aircraft, this, this aircraft, that, um, I, I, I enjoy peeling that onion back and getting to the root of why they think a certain way. And, um, you know, the, 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 most common answer that you end up getting to is that they blame marketing and they say, well, the airplane shouldn't be marketed, you know, in such a way. And I, I'm, I'm kind of at a, you know, and I, I, I'm willing to, to give some ground. 
Um, but at the same time, if you haven't been through the training, you don't really have the proper perspective of what somebody who buys an icon actually goes through. And the standard is actually very, very high. And it's something that, um, that I think that we don't talk about enough. And the reason that we don't is really just because of bandwidth. You know, we, we have a relatively, uh, big team because we, you know, like 2019, we outsold all of our competition combined. That's something that a lot of people don't talk about, but, um, outsold and out delivered. Um, and that was, that was a very, very fun year. So for LSA and fibs, you know, we are number one and a half, um, it wasn't even close and we're at twice the price point. So, you know, that says something that at a higher price point that is significantly higher price point than anyone we compete with, we still sell and deliver more airplanes. Um, and that speaks to the product. It doesn't speak to fancy marketing videos. It doesn't speak to, um, you know, it doesn't speak to, you know, a freaking, awesome sales team or anything like that. It, it is, it is the a five in and of itself that does that. Um, and we're still figuring stuff out. We still have work to do. Uh, um, but when, uh, when somebody buys an a five, we don't teach them to fly it, to fly it like a fighter jet. We teach them to fly it like a seaplane. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's the reality of what an owner gets. So, uh, most of, most of what we've seen that puts icon in a negative light will happen because body is doing something that they really have no business doing in the airplane. Um, and, and how do you, how do you teach somebody to, to make good decisions? Right. I mean, you can for a short period of time, but after a while you forget and you revert back to kind of how you always think and fly an airplane. Same thing with the situation. I mean, anyone can do that. Like you learn it right the first time and six months later, you're like, well, I mean, I could try to push it a little bit farther. You know, it's, it's on, you can't, can't, uh, yeah, it's just hard. You can't, but I mean, yeah, when you said, I guess the one thing is that you said competition, who is the competition? Like I was thinking like, all right, your competition is just light sport amphibs. Are you trying to compete with Cessna at all or just light sport in general? Gotcha. So I, I would talk about on paper. So if you look at uh, anybody that builds a light sport aircraft that is amphibious, um, so that's C-Ray, C-Max, Super Patrol. Um, those are those are uh, biggest competitors. Um, and, and by the way, make sure you look at the NTSB reports on those guys as well. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> just I'll, so we're being that. fair here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll I'll leave that to uh, to uh, everyone's uh, Google. Uh, Google-oriented minds to to figure out, but um, that's something that I uh, that it, when I really get into it with someone, I'll I'll ask them if they if they know about the accidents on on other manufacturers as well. And it's not because they're unsafe, but it 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 goes further to the point that um, we get a, a a lot of the negative press we get is because of how much attention we get. Yeah, because it's such a cool product. Yeah. No one makes anything like yep. it. Exactly. It's like. You know how many how many accidents happen every day on this on this uh, you know in, in the street in your neighborhood? But if if a Ferrari gets wrecked, like you'll be seeing those photos passed around on Facebook for the next week. And it also doesn't help when the person that's in the Ferrari might be a former baseball player <laughs> that has <laughs> had a lot of fandom and has a lot of people that probably respect them. This is true, you know, and, and that really uh, I think irritates me about it. If anything. 
um, is the fact that people act like we didn't know these people. Right. You know, these are, these are human beings that we're talking about. And, you know, who, who, who in their right mind, you know, I, I've, you know, I've, since this whole, uh, pandemic started, you know, I've been, I, I, I've, we've, we've lost some people in our family and it, it just amazes me how people will drop entirely forget that there's a human element to what we're going through. And, and, you know, I, I definitely don't, definitely don't want to take this towards the way of politics, but, you know, people will bring politics into the whole scenario and realize, okay, you know, regardless of, um, re- regardless of the details, um, there are people who are dying and uh, out outside of the pandemic or not. Like, let's say the pandemic is over. People are going to today, people are still going to die tomorrow. Right. Um, but you know, you can, people can talk about people who are dying. Like they're not people anymore. And that's, um, you know, that, 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 that's another perspective that I kind of try to bring in when I'm talking to people is like, listen, you know, this guy had a wife and kids and, and, um, and, and we liked him. So, you know, just, just let's have a conversation about another human being as what, you know, just be mindful of that. That's one of the reasons why I asked you how you defuse that situation when someone comes at you guns a blazing because people, Mm -hmm. that's a point I was going to bring up was that people, it's still a human being. Human being was lost. Like I know like the circumstances behind it, like the company doesn't want to blame the person behind the aircraft because they have a relationship with him. They sold him that airplane. They created that relationship. They've watched him fly that plane. And at one point they deemed it that he could successfully fly that airplane. So, I mean, like you still have that relationship. You don't want to go out and start blaming anyone that is flying that aircraft because you have to show sympathy toward the fact that human life has been lost. And that's just something that, I mean, no one is happy with. No one can accept and no one wants that to happen. Yep. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've got family that, that I had an uncle that, uh, died and it was, it was, it was, uh, crime related. Um, and, and he was murdered and, you know, but we don't, you know, if somebody, if somebody came up to me and said, um, you know, well, you know, your, your uncle's an idiot and blah, blah, blah. I punch him in the face. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, you know, it's because he's my family, you know, and all of those things might be true, but the, like, if, if somebody's willing to go that far to forget that we are dealing with people who left, you know, who, who, who left behind other people that do love them and care about them, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, a that kind of goes back to what I said before you, there, there's something that you're dealing with on a personal level that, um, I can't really help you with that. You might be hurting too. Definitely kind of changing topics a little bit, because we could talk about that forever and just keep it going. But what, so icon obviously came out and kind of shocked the world. Like they're like, this better plane so cool. Like it does this. And it kind of was like, it just did some really great things. Does icon, Without revealing too much, is there like more in the future? Is this Icon's kind of, uh, this is all we're going to do is just make the A5, but they have plans to kind of enter other markets. I don't know what you can say or what you can't say, but like, is this it for Icon or do they have kind of some bigger, grander um, dreams? 
there's there's uh, there's always something bigger and better coming. Um, there always there always is and there always will be. It took us a long time to get to market, um, it, and the the biggest reason is because cost. You know, is is um, is no secret that we had initially thought we were going to build this thing for like a buck ninety, uh, and now we're at three sixty. We we launched we were three ninety, and now we got it down to about three sixty. Um, and that is strictly because of cost. It is very expensive to build this airplane. Um, and it's because of the quality of the build. Um, I have, I do have that objection all the time on price, but at, it's more, more often than not, when somebody gets in front of the airplane, they see it, they put their hands on it. They go, okay, I get it because the quality of the final fit and finish is head and shoulders above anything that um, that anything else that's being built in our category. Um, so is there the, the number one question we get is, is icon going to build a four seater? Um, I would probably go on record as saying that will almost never happen. Um, and the, the reason being is because we build a fun airplane. As soon as you start moving into four seats, you lose its fun. Like imagine if somebody wanted to, so if extra three, if extra started building a four seater aerobatics plane, like that just doesn't really make sense anymore. Um, it, it, it moves it out of the purpose of why it's built. And also just physics still exist. Uh, when you start adding more seats, you're talking about CG considerations. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, makes the a5 so much fun to fly is that it is very 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 easy to get in and out of um and i don't i don't necessarily mean like physically stepping in and getting i mean the operating side of it is very 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 easy um it's the difference between a porsche 911 and a ford excursion ford excursion can carry more can go further can do all those things but it's not as fun as driving a Porsche 911 into a corner and stepping on the gas and not having the rear end of the car come out, come out from under you. Like there's, you know, and you can't do that in a Ford excursion. So is there more? Absolutely. There's always more. There's a, there's a, there's a group of engineers that every day they have a list of things that they're trying to accomplish. Um, but as far as when and all those things, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I almost don't want to know because then I'll have a tough time selling what I have. Right. <laughs> you think they'd ever exit the the seaplane market and just kind of uh, make more of like a, a Cessna or a Cirrus type airplane? I don't, I don't think so. I think if, if they did, they would build something that is, um, that is, you know, fun to fly, but in a different way, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, Carbon, Carbon Cub has a phenomenal corner on the bush plane market. Um, I don't see I don't see Icon getting into the bush plane market, but kind of the same. It's the same motivation. You know, somebody buy, gets into a bush plane, it's because they want to actually go out and do the more fun type of recreational flying. Um, you know, if if there is another fun type of flying that can be done, um, I, I'm sure Icon would take a crack at it, but I'm, li- I'm, I'm, and I, I gotta be clear. I'm not like trying to allude to something. Um, but like that would, you know, everything I, I'm just trying to say, like everything has to fall under the umbrella 
of um, of of recreation. Um, if we get into a, if we get into building something that's has a utility, then we're talking a whole different talking a whole different animal. What do you say to someone? This will be one of the last questions before we uh, get into the rapid mm-hmm. fire. But what do you say to someone that? sees what you're doing. They they love kind of the idea of selling an airplane. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, how selling, getting into aircraft sales is not necessarily the right move for someone that wants to build hours and go on to the airlines. What do you say to someone yeah. that like legitimately loves what you do, wants to do what you do? How would you maybe uh, give them a couple tips to get into that kind of job, market themselves for this job? Okay. So, um, there is a, a pretty important story that I, I left out that I, I do feel a little obligation to tell. Um, I had thought about I, my my mom's a physical therapist um, by trade. Um, she's actually um, my my biggest influence in sales. She she I was talking I didn't even realize this till a couple of days ago. I was talking to my buddy Dave, and um, and we talk about sales a lot because he worked a sales job and he's a pilot, so he's interested in, in Icon as well. But uh, we talk about sales all the time. So, like, literally, if I get out of a plane and I'm talking and I, I'm thinking about a prospect, I'll call one of two people. I'll either call my director or I'll call Dave because Dave is like just a good sounding board for me. And um, I, my dad had told me when I was very little that I should get into sales. And I was like, nobody likes salespeople, dad. Why would I want to get into sales? Uh, <laughs> And that was kind of the end of it. And uh, when when I got older, uh, my mom was working for a physical therapy company, selling, you know, pitching the company to nursing homes. I didn't even know this until way, way, way later. Um, so she would, you know, she started as a physical therapist, actually doing the work, became supervisor, then eventually worked her way up to area manager, and the company would send her out to different nursing homes that they wanted to, uh, recruit in, or fold into the business, uh, uh, you know, from an outsourcing point and she would make the whole pitch and she's always been phenomenal at just about anything she's done. Um, so she was like the closest, I didn't like, my mom is so good at sales. I didn't even think she was a salesperson. Um, and, and she always taught me to listen, to be thoughtful, to actually give a crap about the people that you do business with. Um, but she did it without having to say any of those words. Like she actually just lived that. Um, and so I, I absorbed that from her and, and in real estate, people always told me I had this like kind of calming demeanor that even when things really went bad, they never really blamed me, um, because they knew that I was, I, I always had their best interests at heart. So I picked that up from my mom. Um, so I had this like propensity to sales and I didn't know it. Um, and I'm also an extremely good listener when I want to be. Don't ask my wife about that. But <laughs> um, so I go to Ember Riddle has this you know job fair every year, and uh, one of my mom's patients was a uh, was she used to sell uh, jets. She was a jet broker, and then she had a stroke, and she lost the use of half of her body, and 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 she could barely speak. So she couldn't work anymore. But I always thought that that was the first time I'd seen somebody in aircraft sales or even heard of somebody in aircraft sales. And that idea kind of stuck. And then I read another article about somebody in aircraft sales. And then um, when I, and then I, so I was like, okay, aircraft sales, that's a, that sounds cool. So kind of like what you just said, if somebody's listening to me and going, you know, that, you know, 
what what you do kind of sounds cool and and um or looks cool and so i started asking around and i i won't say what manufacturer it it was because i don't think it's necessarily indicative of the manufacturer but i went to a job fair at Embry Riddle and you know so all the big major, all the all the big and small aviation companies were there and i was a sophomore uh, I go to one of the, I walk up to one of the major manufacturers and, and, uh, I say, Hey, I'm a sophomore. I'm looking, I, I'm thinking about aircraft sales, just thinking about it. Uh, what would you recommend? This guy tells me, um, we typically only look for people from Ivy league schools to sell airplanes for us. And I go, well, that's not me. Um, and that kind of, pointed me away from sale, from the idea of aircraft sales for a long time. And, um, then I, you know, I just happened to put myself on a career path that happened to give me the, uh, experience background to sell airplanes. Um, so for someone that want, thinks that they want to get, get into airplane sales, my biggest advice is to make sure that it's the career that you want. Like actually selling is you, is what you want to do, but also sell something that you don't want to sell. I don't care if it's nail polish. I don't care if it's, I, I sold advertising for a website for a time. I sucked at it, but I learned. Um, and I, I, because at, at the end of the day, your job is to sell and you have to be good at it because it's very high stakes in aircraft sales. Um, and, and, if you don't love the sales side as much as you love the product side, um, you're, you're not going to, you're, you're going to struggle. You're, you're gonna, you're going to get down on yourself at some point. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. You got to believe in what you're doing. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Like, you got to believe in the company. You got to you, believe in what you're I doing. I like sales now. Yeah. Yep. I like, I like sales now because I actually like the exercise. Um, I, one of the things that I, I think that, uh, people have a misperception on sales. They think that salesmen are trying to convince them to do something that they don't want to do. And some of them are, um, uh, actually, you know, anybody that you see at a used car dealership or, you know, you go to a Toyota dealership. Yeah, that's, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to be met with. Um, but there is a, um, there is a backside of that where it, it, the people that are very good at what they do sales wise, they are not interested in turning a no into a yes. They're interested in helping people get all of the information that they need to make the best decision for them. Absolutely. There's a big difference between those kind of people. Oh, big facts. We'll get into that in another podcast. That's a whole another podcast. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> all right, I have one more section for you. Uh, those are pretty much all the big questions I have for you. But now we are going into the rapid fire section. So this is the section where I'm going to ask you just a couple aviation themed quick questions where you answer as fast as you can. No explanations needed. So you just have to answer the question and we'll move on. All right. Mm-hmm. I'll start out with an easy one. What is, okay, you can't say the A5. So just so, outside of the A5, okay. what is your favorite airplane? This could be uh, like commercial, this could be military, this could be a jet, it could be anything. 
I probably have different answers for each, but I'd say overall, uh, P38 and Lightning. Okay. What about like uh, an airliner? Oh, I don't like airliners. Perfect answer. What about a corporate jet? Any of those? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, oh man. Um, if I'm if if I'm talking like single pilot PC24, if you you're go. talking, um, if you're talking like someone flying me. Uh, Falcon, I think the 9,000, whatever the big one is. Yeah, whatever the big Falcon. I would love to fly <laughs> yeah. the big Falcon. Those things are sweet. Oh, they're so sick. All right, here's another one. This is uh, the one I get the most flack for and the one I enjoy asking the most. What is the ugliest airplane you've ever seen? Oh, man. I can't remember the name of it, but I saw it a couple weeks ago. It's this... Uh, biplane that is a single jet Ugh. it's got a single jet engine and it's a biplane i cannot remember the name of it there's this guy um on instagram centaur pilot yeah he posts a bunch of weird really really weird airplanes and that was one of them that he posted is huh. it's a jet powered biplane it's just one it. jet engine and like yeah uh, it, it's a crazy profile. I have to send it to you. Yeah, send it to me. I'll have to check it out. Maybe I fall. I don't know. I'll have to check it out. But that that does sound not as ugly as it's Piaggio, got- but you know, it's a, it does sound ugly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, what is something you wish you knew before you became a pilot? So this can go all the way back before you got your private. It can go to your commercial. Kind of just what do you wish you could maybe even tell someone getting ready to start? Like maybe warn them about or something that, that they would never expect? Um... I almost like would say I, I wouldn't change anything. And it's not because I got where I wanted to be, but because I think, you know, so much of the journey was figuring out stuff along the way. So, um, I and I didn't know anything. So <laughs> if you knew, if you know more than I did, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> all I'd say is if, if you, if, if you, especially if you knew less, less than I did talk to people who know more and that and that you want to emulate because there are a lot of people that i don't want to emulate that know more than me yeah don't be afraid to ask questions that's a good one yeah uh who in the industry would you like to meet most it could be someone that's uh on instagram it could be someone that uh did something cool on an airplane back in the day uh who's one person you would love to meet most um um you don't have one. That's not a big deal. No, I, I do. It's just so egotistical. I want to meet myself in 30 years. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of cool. That's not, yeah. that's not a bad answer. Yeah. I like that. All right. What would you want to, what would you want to know? Just like, uh, what icons sell in these days or, uh, get some tips on what you can do to do better. Uh, well, lottery numbers. We'll yeah, start okay. with that. Lottery um, numbers work well. <laughs> no, you need that Falcon um, 9,000, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think, uh, what I, it's, um, yeah, I, I just like to, it's more like, what was I right? You know, you know, I don't, you know, I, I'm okay if I, if I don't make all my dreams and aspirations happen, like, cause I'm already happy. So that's, that's enough. Um, but was, you know, there, there's some very, very big bets I'm, I'm making in life. And I, and uh, of course I don't know if they're right or not. And that's, that's it. Like putting all your money into Bitcoin. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite money? Huh? So I can get so I can get free Bitcoin as you put your Bitcoin in. Exactly. Look at the salesman go. <laughs> <laughs> 
What's your favorite thing about aviation? Um, flying. There's nothing like it. Uh, yeah. when you, especially when you get to do it for fun. What's the um, hardest approach? There's, there's like it. What's the hardest approach you've ever flown? Oh, uh, GPS into runway. Uh, what was it? Three. I think it was three five. It's got to be three six now into into St. Pete Clearwater. Um, the uh, I failed my instrument check ride my first time. Um, Same. Welcome to the party. <laughs> oh no, it was yeah. worse. I failed my oral exam. I didn't do that. But, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like, there's no excuse. You didn't fail it because there's no excuse to fail your exam. Um, so, and I did. And so that was like, su- I, you know, imagine like the guy that was super frustrated about flying to begin with and didn't know what the hell an instrument rating was like, and then I failed my instrument oral exam. Like, but, um, that was when I realized that I had a chip on my shoulder for people. And I didn't really feel like I got a fair shake by the DPE. And I look back and I give them more credit than I used to, but I still don't feel like I got a fair shake. Um, and, um, uh, and so when we got in that airplane, I had the biggest chip on my shoulder ever in life. And, um, I, that was probably my best flight ever. I sailed through that whole check ride. And then he, uh, he, while we're in the, and and he didn't like me and he made it very clear that he didn't like me. Um, and then when we were, when when he was like, okay, this is going to be your last approach. Do you want the RNAV or the GPS and, uh, and, uh, runway three, five, I say, give me the RNAV. He's like, okay, you're taking the GPS and GPS approaches are not hard. Um, but you know, for, for like all of the anxiety I had in the moment, but it was also, I'd never had so much anxiety and felt like I had so much to prove and shove down someone else's throat. Um, like I captured that, uh, I captured the needle and stuck it. Like it did not move. And I flew and I hand flew the whole flight. No autopilot. Awesome. What was and his reaction? So I was like, uh, uh, his, his, like, he wasn't like you, I could tell that he was trying to not be impressed. <laughs> what a punk. <laughs> There's no room for a DP to be like that. We don't need DPs like that at all. Yeah. Well, you know what? It was good because, you know, somebody that it, it was, it's nice to prove someone wrong that underestimates yeah, you. I would agree. Very much agree. All right. Another, uh, rapid fire question. Uh, would you rather fly IFR or VFR? VFR. What is your least favorite airport you've ever had to land at? Houston Intercontinental. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's interesting. What's your uh, What's your favorite airport to land at? And this could be kind of a, a lake too, I guess. You know, because you go anywhere. Yeah, you know, I'm still kind of exploring a lot of stuff in the A5. Um, so you know. Uh, Man, there's there's a lot of really good answers to that, yeah. um, and and uh, the places uh, the, the uh, places I want to go the most, I still haven't been. So I, I'll I'll in general uncontrolled airports. Right. You know, that's all I could say. What's your favorite airport food? Let's say for you, let's say you're an FBO, you get a crew car, you get barbecue, you get like a local favor. What are you getting? Um, 
I actually cook a lot. So I will probably, if I'm, if I'm not going home that night, I'll probably get a, I'll I'll try to find somewhere that has a 20 some odd dollar steak. I like it. I respect it. That's good. Most people don't say (laughs) that one. So I like it. What's your favorite airline livery? Pan Am. Oh, wow. Throwing it back. Long trips or short trips? Short trips. Biggest win in your career so far? Um, oh, um, I DM'd a guy on Instagram and I sold two airplanes. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was fun. That's awesome. Was, you know, it, it took, it took, uh, you know, nine months to do it, but it was, it was, it was crazy. Like I was just, I was, I had been working for icon for three months and you know, they, they, one of the things they wanted me to do was get creative with the business development stuff. So I, I'm a car guy. I, I'm, I'm huge. Just as I like cars, just as much as I like airplanes. And, um, I had, uh, started DMing a bunch of, uh, car dealerships in the territory I worked. And one of them messaged me back and said, we're, you know, it was on a Thursday. Um, no, on a Wednesday, I DM'd him. He goes, we're having a party on Friday. Can you come and bring the airplane? And I was in Florida and they're in Jersey. So I said, uh, I talked to my boss and, and like, I got his approval in four hours. I was on the airplane on Friday morning, landed in Boston, brought the plane to the party or brought, loaded the plane on the trailer, brought it to the party that night in Jersey and um, met one of the guys that ended up buying there. And then uh, in July, he invited me to a, a car show that he hosted and, uh, met another guy who ended up buying there. So oh, that was pretty cool to see just like out of it, you know, like just hopping in DMS and I sold two yeah. plates. That's crazy. That's awesome. All right. Here's yeah. the, I got a couple more, but here's probably the last one. What is the biggest regret in your career so far? If you have one. Yeah, I don't have one. I Good. mean, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, that does, I think also like, um, if I was to say it's like correctly defining regret, like, you know, just not, you know, I'm, I'm, I wish that I would have made decisions based on what was going to make me happiest. Not what I thought I wanted the most. Ooh, that's deep. Oh yeah. That's a good answer. All right. Gary James Knight. Glass of wine. Yeah. Right. Those are all the questions I have for you, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, I hope one day to, to meet up with you on the road and uh, get to see what the I or the I five, the icon a five is all about. It is on my bucket list to sit in one and go fly. I want to go land on a lake. So we have to do that sometime. We got to figure out a way to make it happen, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun talking with you and uh, I'll see you on the road sometime. Likewise, Justin. And that is a wrap of episode number 135 of the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Like I said earlier, please check us out on Instagram at Pilot the Pilot. Follow us there. That's where I'm the most active outside of posting weekly here. I post real stories, pictures, and just what's going on in my life. So follow us there. Have some big plans for Instagram and, and other 
platforms as well. So Aviation Nation, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to enter the Ground School giveaway. It is very easy to enter. Just fill out that survey. Check out our Patreon. Buy me a coffee if you want. That's a link in the description below as well. We appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. I hope you guys are having a great day, staying safe, and as always, happy flying.